The emergence of COVID-19 has forced the legal industry to rapidly undergo a fundamental transformation. I'm Jack Newton, CEO and co-founder of Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal software provider. In each episode of Daily Matters, we'll explore what this new normal means for law firms, how legal professionals can find success while working remotely, and how lawyers can best serve their clients during this unprecedented situation. Today, we're joined by Mitch Jackson, founding partner at Jackson Wilson, 2013 California Litigation Lawyer of the Year, and social media luminary with over 45,000 Twitter followers. That's, that's pretty incredible, Mitch. Uh, um, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jack. It's good to be here. Also, husband of 32 years and father of two, which is even more important to me. So I think you understand that as a father of three. I, I sure do. How old are your kids, Mitch? Mine are 25 and 20. So you and Derek, I want you guys to enjoy the ride. Uh, our daughter's a first-year lawyer up in Los Angeles at Shepard Mullen, and our son's in his second year at USC, and they're both home right now. Uh, so we have a lot of type A personalities under one roof right now. <laughs> uh, well, that's a, a great segue into my, my opening question, which is, how, how are you doing? How are you and your family coping? And, and maybe tell us a little bit about uh, where you're situated and, and how COVID-19 has, has impacted your, your current situation. Well, thank you for asking. We're in Southern California, so we're on lockdown. We're in the house. Everyone's safe and sound. I have a lot of friends out there that, um, that can't say the same. So my thoughts and prayers are with them. We're doing everything we can to help them, including our clients. And uh, we're moving forward full speed ahead. Uh, we are a quasi-virtual firm, Jack. And so using tools like Clio and other resources, uh, we're able to take care of our clients who are experiencing challenges right now in business, and we're able to move full, full forward f full speed. How about you? How are you doing? Everything okay? Yeah, thank, thank you also for asking. Everything is good here. I'm in Vancouver, BC, uh, also at home with uh, my three kids who are 11, 9, and 7, so uh, a busy Great. age to be juggling them, and, and they're all supposed to be uh, in school and doing, they're right now doing remote learning or something that approximates remote learning. And, and my wife and I, uh, who both have full-time jobs, are, are doing our best to kind of juggle uh, this, this new world. But first and foremost, everyone is, is healthy. Um, yeah. and, and Clio has successfully made the transition to all of our 500 employees working from, from home. And, and uh, our business uh, is actually stronger than it's ever been in, in this kind of climate. Uh, I think there's been a mass migration to the cloud and a lot of firms that were on the fence and, and even some firms that didn't even have the cloud in their long-term roadmaps all of a sudden made that a top priority. So all things considered, uh, things are, are good here. And it looks like the health situation uh, in Vancouver in terms of flattening the curve, the, the curve is starting to get flattened. So optimistic good. that we're, we're gonna get on the other side of the health uh, aspect of the crisis uh, sooner rather than later as well. I do have a suggestion with respect to homeschooling right now online. I, I, we, I am all ears. <laughs> I, I figured you would be. We had a neighbor come by uh, the other day and uh, keeping our, our distance and she's great. And I asked her, she has two young kids. How is, how is the schooling going right now online? She goes, oh, it's great. By the way, yesterday was our last day of school and everybody got an A. So they're done. <laughs> you figure since I'm in charge and I'm the teacher, I'm going to make the rules. Now she was joking, but it did make me laugh you know, and uh, almost appreciate the fact that uh, I'm glad my kids are older right now. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm taking that. a bit of an alternative viewpoint right now where, you know, the, what they learn that's 
uh, part of their formal curriculum is, uh, is great, but I think of this as a great opportunity to put them in front of some new types of ways to learn and maybe learn things that weren't on the roadmap at all. I've put them in front of uh, Khan Academy and some, some new kind of Fantastic. learning resources that uh, they're learning how Pixar movies get made rather than, you know, maybe uh, what would have been in the, the standard BC curriculum for, uh, you know, the, the grades they're in. So we'll, we'll see how that, that evolves, but uh, it's certainly, I, I think, uh, a grand experiment that we're we're all in right now in terms of how this will pan out, and I'm I'm optimistic that that'll have some really positive long term impacts, and and maybe on that on that note, I'm I'm curious when you're thinking about the the coming weeks and months for for your law firm, what's on your mind the most? What what do you find to be front of mind for you? What are your biggest concerns, or maybe what do you see as your biggest opportunities? What I see happening, and, and once again, putting the personal health and safety issues aside and focusing on business right now, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty plugged into business owners around the world, um, healthcare providers, politicians. Um, it's been an interesting 34 years of practicing law. And what I see happening from formal and informal input back to me and watching our clients is I see a major business pivot taking place right now before our eyes. Uh, taking your traditional offline services online, like Clio, for example, and satisfying the client's needs, helping the clients using these virtual and digital services more so than ever before. This is not something where we're going to be going back to normal. There's right. going to be a new normal. And I think we're going to come out of this bigger and better and stronger, not only in business, but as a society and as a community. And when I read your book, The Client-Centered Law Firm, which I absolutely loved, it resonated Thank with you. me. It, you're welcome. It was very, very good. And I would not tell you that if I didn't think that was the case. <laughs> that, but I was, also appreciate that. It was exceptional. And uh, everyone, you guys need to read that, especially all the lawyers out there that follow me. And uh, it's exactly how I was raised and approach the practice of law, although there was a learning curve. And if you don't mind, I could maybe share that story with you because I think it does apply to what we're love that. talking about today. So I grew up on a guest ranch in Tucson, Arizona. My dad and mom had a guest ranch called the Saddle and Surrey Guest Ranch for 30 some years. And people would fly in from all over the world to play cowboy. We'd go on two rides every day, tennis court, pool, putting green, uh, 30, 16 different casitas or units. And so I had a chance to meet a lot of amazing people from around the world. But to make a very long story short, what I watched my mom and dad do was focus on the customer service aspect of the business. Anything the guests wanted, they got. If they needed a ride into town or old Tucson or the Desert Museum, or if they wanted to have a barbecue out in the desert, they took care of the guest. The other thing I noticed is we had a lot of very well-known people come and stay with us, Jack, people like Walt Disney, John Wayne, Morley wow. Safer from 60 Minutes, a lot of people from around the world. And what I noticed my mom and dad doing every night at cocktail hour was talking to them about their families and about their hobbies and about their interests. They didn't talk business with our guests unless the guests brought it up. And starting my practice in 86, what I realized being the first lawyer in the family, first college graduate in my immediate family, 
was for me to compete with all the established law firms in Southern California, I needed to be different. I needed to be unique. I needed to do something in a way that other big, well-financed firms weren't doing. And it came down to me playing basketball at Laguna Beach every single day and starting to build relationships and starting to build connections and referral sources and build off of that over the next couple of years to build out the firm, get the results for the clients. But I always was able to think, how would my mom and dad handle this situation? What would they right. do for the client? Because the attorneys I was clerking for, it was all about them. I want the yeah. client to, right? It's all about the client, the, the, the lawyer. And I get that. But I thought to myself, I need to approach this the way my mom and dad ran the guest ranch. And my wife grew up in a family-based business also where her mom and dad worked together. So she had that mentality. We met in law school, we you know, did the firm, and she's still my partner, Lisa Wilson of Jackson Wilson. So we took this service mentality into the practice of law. And in 1996, we put up our first website. And eight months later, had a seven-figure case come through the website. And I've never been accused of being the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I realized, hey, there's something to this internet thing. Everyone yeah. needs to remember, back then, a lot of people weren't even plugged into what the internet was. And um, what I realized also was that on the internet, back then with bulletin boards and early blog posts, the post and the content that I created that was focused on helping a client and answering a question and providing solutions, those were the blog posts. Those were the website pages that resulted in the phone ringing back in the day. Yeah. Add social media to that, uh, you know, 2007 up through the present with other digital platforms, and that mentality just kind of exploded. Back in 2013, I read a book by, by a dear friend of mine, Brian Solis, a couple of books, and one was uh, What's the Future of Business? The other one was The X Factor, I believe. And it was all about user, uh, uh, it was all about creating an exemplary client experience in the tech sector. And I thought to myself, we need to start doing that as lawyers also. So everything we're going to be talking about today, I think will be focused around from a social media standpoint, how can you create that, that client-centered environment or experience to help build your brand, to help bring in more referrals to your law firm, and, and really to help more consumers get through their legal challenges. So my early background was growing up on the guest ranch, which had nothing to do with practicing law, right? Uh, taking that mentality into the courtroom and then building the firm and then using tools today like Clio, like Zoom, like DocuSign to help complement that, that mentality, that mindset uh, to give the clients what they want, but at the same time, balance that client-centered client focus with everything else that's happening in my life. And that's what I liked about your book. You didn't focus on the client. You said, what we're doing is we're, we have a client-centered experience, but we're focusing on our lives, our businesses, our, our ethics, our needs, everything else that's going on too. And that resonated with me. That's, that's right. I, I think one of the real tenets of my, my book is it's not client first, it's client centered. And, oh. and for me, client first always, and it took me a while to put my finger on this, but client first, I think, suggests that almost implicitly that something comes second and something else comes third. And that might be your staff or your own well-being or your firm's livelihood. And I think in being client-centered, you can truly, truly 
get a win-win-win for for every party involved. And I'm yes. I'm curious in in your experience of you know number one, I think you were client-centered uh, years before uh, it was. Uh, uh, something I described in my book, so so kudos for that. And I love the origin story of of where you got that that mindset from. Uh, it sounded like you were into inbound marketing before that was even a defined term. So you're you're well ahead sure. of the curve on a few, I think, really big trends that that lawyers are trying to find a way of attaching themselves to. Uh, can, can you just tell us a little bit about how you think these two concepts, the the client centered law firm and the concept of, of inbound marketing. And maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit and just, just explain how that works for you. You touched on it really briefly, I but I think in a, in a world that is increasingly internet-based and, and maybe this COVID-19 crisis has actually accelerated change that we might've seen over a decade into maybe what we'll see over 10 days in terms of the, the, the scale of the shift from the physical world and the bricks and mortar world to the virtual. Tell us about how you've built your social media presence. Uh, like I said, uh, incredible sure. number of Twitter followers and, and other uh, forms of reach that you've got on social. Uh, let, let's, let's dig into that particular area to start with actually, because I, I think it's a big area to explore all, all on its own. When did this start becoming a meaningful client acquisition channel for you? How have you approached nurturing and developing this this enormous audience that you've you, you've you've developed, and maybe you know speak to me like I'm I'm a, a five year old on this stuff. I, you know, like I'd really love to to get uh, a really introductory sure. uh, walkthrough of of how to develop this because I think there's a lot of our listeners that are thinking I'm not going to be picking up clients at my local chamber of commerce meeting anytime soon. Uh, how no, else no. can I be doing this in the the COVID nineteen era? So sure, uh, re really love to to hear you speak to that. So, you know, when you talk about client-centered and client-first, I think it's really important. And understand what I just shared with you at the top of the show, Jack, are things that I've, I've come to realize over the years. When I moved from Tucson to Southern California and went to law school, you know, I was really a ski bum and really didn't have an awareness of what I had picked up back when I was younger. As you get older, you start realizing how everything kind of comes together. And... Um, I will say that the success on social media, and it's not the number of followers on any one platform, it's really the quality of your followers. Think, mm -hmm. think you know, not, not width, but depth, and think about yeah. the relationships that you built. So when I talk to other business owners about building out their brands on social media, I like to use the term building relationships as opposed to marketing. And right now with what's going on around the world, I think what we want to do is we want to help and add value and be there and listen. And as lawyers, be leaders, be someone that use, can use these platforms to provide solutions, okay, and to help others as opposed to marketing. So having said that, you want to have the right mindset on social media. It's one of three components that you've got to have as a lawyer. If you've read any of Bob Berg's books, The Go-Giver, or Adversaries into Action, Bob uh, shared in one of my book, in my book, uh, at the very beginning of the book, this mindset of being a go-giver. So as a lawyer, you want to give, you want to help, you want to think of what's in your client's best interest. And that specifically applies to what you share on social media. It's all about the client. It's not about you. That's number one. And that's where a lot of lawyers drop the ball. Once they understand that mentality, 
The next aspect of social media is understanding and appreciating that each platform has a different personality. What works on Twitter may not work on LinkedIn. What works on LinkedIn may mm -hmm. not work on Instagram. So you want to take time to listen to what's happening on the platforms, watch what's happening and start understanding. It's kind of like jury selection. When you're picking a jury, get to know each of the jurors. What, who are the personalities that are sitting in the box? Because they're the ones that are going to determine the outcome and or success of your case. The same thing applies to social media. So understand the personalities of each platform. And then number three, Jack, is where yeah. most people really drop the ball. And that's the ability to communicate on each of these social media platforms, understanding the platforms in an effective, persuasive way where you're empowering your audience to take that next desired step. Now, having said all that, one of the beautiful things about social media right now is that you can use it to help build your client-centered law firm. And the reason you can use social media, and it's such a powerful tool right now, is because you can get to know people. You can see what they're talking about. You can, you can watch what their issues are on some of the live video shows. You can read their blog posts and get a better understanding of where someone's head at or where a company's concerns are. And so as a lawyer, the more you get to know somebody, the better the relationship you build with them, I think the greater the opportunity to help, help them with their problem. Now, here's the thing. This is the client right here. This is a client-centered firm. Up here, we've got family. Up here, we've got hobbies, passions, and interests. Motocross, hang gliding, paddle boarding. That's part of who I am. Over here, we got tech. I love tech, and I love talking about this stuff. Over here, we have public speaking. Over here, we have whatever it might be, youth sports, before we were all shut down. Um, the client's here, but our lives okay, mm -hmm. revolve around the client. And when you talk about not necessarily putting the client number one, what resonated for me, I mean, where this all hit home for me was when I asked my father-in-law, Lisa's dad, for permission to marry his daughter. He's a dad of three girls, Jack. So we're pulling a ski boat uh, through the Mojave Desert to go water skiing. And understand, Mike didn't graduate from college. 20 years before I met him, he was loading milk crates on the back of a milk truck. When I met him, he owned his own dairy distributorship and he retired at 52. Happily cool. married today for 65 years with his beautiful wife, my mother-in-law, Joyce, and, and, uh, and they're doing fantastic with three amazing daughters. So I asked Mike, and we call him the chief because he's in charge <laughs> of the family, right? He's the big yeah. family. And I said, chief, what would you say if I asked your permission to marry Lisa? He pulls the truck over to the side of the freeway. There's no one else there. We're in the middle of nowhere. And he's kind of a big, intimidating guy. And I'm like, oh, he really doesn't like me. This is, and I've been dating Lisa for about three years. And he looks at me and he goes, I would love to have another son in the family because his older daughter was married. He goes, do me a favor and ask Joycey, ask his wife when we get to the lake. So he respected her enough to make sure she's part of this decision. Yeah. He goes, before I can say yes, I need to ask you, Mitch, do you know Mike the Milkman's three keys to success? And there, there's the full circle here. And I'm like, I don't, but I think I'm about ready to figure it out, right? And Mike goes, all right, as long as you understand Mike's keys to success. And by the way, you guys, I did a blog post at streaming.lawyer, which is one of my social media blogs, and it's Mike the Milkman delivers his three keys to success. 
And Mike goes, number one, Mitch, just remember, you've got to put your health first, your physical and mental health first, because if you're not healthy, physically, mentally, and emotionally, you're not going to be any good to my daughter, your family, your friends, your neighbors, you're not going to be able to run a business. Okay. Number two, take care of my daughter, take care of your kids that you're going to have someday, take care of your family, your neighbors, your friends. And number three, take care of your business, take care of your occupation, take care of your profession. As long as you keep things in that order, he goes, you're going to be okay. And it's going to get mixed up every now and then. Things happen in life. But as long as you fall back to take care of yourself, take care of your wife and family, partners, whoever it might be, take care of your business, you're going to be okay. And I said, Mike, I get it. I think I can do that, right? And, and so this is the client and this is Mike's Mike the Milkman's, right? Three keys to success. Take care of everything in this circle. I love that. Including the client. And so Jack- It's so simple, but that actually encapsulates a really great life philosophy, doesn't it? It does. And so everything we do on social media is premised around that and it's in that order. And so what I would love to see lawyers do is as you build out your brand and build relationships on social media, what happens is you start getting super busy. People start contacting you. And the last question we ask a lawyer, a lawyer, when they, we ask a client, sometimes they're lawyers, when they yep. leave the office, Jack, and this is an important question in today's world is, how would you like us to communicate with you? See, yes. it's not about us. And if yeah. somebody wants me to communicate with them on Facebook, Facebook Messenger, Twitter DM, Instagram DM, especially some of the younger clients using the, the Clio 24-7 client portal, which we use, um, that's the way we're going to communicate with that client, assuming it helps us comply with California state bar rules and all that other stuff. I don't want to jeopardize the client's confidentiality or my attorney right. work product. So I got to yeah. be careful with what I share. But generally speaking, that's how we communicate with the client. And I think on social media, if you approach it the same way, you add value, you, you, you share those other elements of your life over time, people start to connect with you. They start to relate with you. They start to enjoy the same hobbies and passions that you have. And that's how the dance starts. When you get busy, you got to keep track of all the potential clients, all the referrals. And that's why you need to be set up ahead of time with cloud-based services like Clio so you can keep track of your, your contacts, your referral sources. One of the beautiful things and my favorite tool of your platform, Jack, without exception, is the 24-7 portal because I mm-hmm. like clients to be able to share and receive documents, items, and things when it works for them, not necessarily when I'm here at the office. I like clients to be able to check their calendars when it works for them, when they have time, not when I have time. And in using that service and several other digital services for signing documents, Zoom like we are right now, it really has eliminated 90% of the headaches that we've had at the office over the years. And uh, so anyway, I think people using social media, if you understand this mindset, if you understand the personality, if you understand different ways to communicate, and by the way, Jack, lawyers communicating on social media, come on, you guys, come on, gals, we need to raise the bar. Yeah. Uh, there, there, there are three things that Carmine Gallo, who wrote the book, Talk Like Tad, shared in my book. My book, you guys, is 46 experts from around the world sharing chapters. 
That's why I can brag about it. It's not me. I only wrote really five quickly, chapters. Mitch. Where where can people find your book if they're just learning more? They, and if you they, got a physical yeah. copy to show off, I all do. The better. I do. So I'm already working. As you guys can see, everything's a work in progress. Se- second edition. It, it, well, a version of it. So it's on Amazon and Kindle and uh, uh, Audible and a paperback. Merriman Scott wrote the forward. But um, what I was. What I was getting at is the, my favorite section and the third section is all about communication. And the tips that we share, it's not just for social media. It's how we communicate in the courtroom. It's how we communicate during an arbitration. It's how you communicate and use your hands during a live Zoom. These are things that you're not born with. These are things that you learn. And Carmine Gallo, who wrote the book Talk Like Ted, he interviewed 200 top TED speakers. And he broke down what made their TED Talks so powerful. And Carmine was kind enough to write a chapter in the book on how to use these approaches to connect on social media. So as a lawyer, instead of sitting behind your desk and doing your traditional video, talking about something that only you're interested in, instead, okay, think about tapping into some of the approaches that Carmine shares. And the approaches involve using emotion when you're speaking. Don't be afraid to be emotional, appropriately so, when you're communicating, make sure your message is unique and novel. Share something a little bit different than maybe what everybody else in town is sharing. And the last thing is make sure that when you're sharing your message, when you're communicating your opening statement, your closing argument, or a live video like this, or a podcast, make sure that you're creating a memorable experience, something that people can go back to, they can talk about, you're adding value, and they're, they're going to want to check back and, and check out the resource. As lawyers, we're in a unique position where we can do these things, but very few lawyers do. And so work communication skills, because just setting up a social media platform, Jack, is not enough. That's like saying, I want to take you snow here at Mammoth, which is where we love to ski. And let's just say, I have a feeling you're probably a snow skier. Are you a skier? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. So you're a skier. So let's say you've never skied before. And I invite you to go up to Mammoth with me. We swing by the ski shop, buy you some skis, some bindings, some boots, something sharp to wear. You and I go up to the mountain. We take the lift all the way to the top. I say, Jack, you're, you're good to go, right? That's not going to work out very well. No. Well, social media is kind of the same thing. It's one thing to set up these platforms. It's, a completely, it's completely another thing to effectively enjoy and use the platforms so that when you're taking that first run from the top of the mountain to the bottom, especially on the social media platforms, you want it to be an enjoyable experience and not the type of experience that by the time you get to the bottom, you're never going to want to click and go on Facebook or Twitter or TikTok again. So I so think let's, that's the analogy. Let's abuse the metaphor and, sure. and uh, curious where, where's the bunny hill for social media? If you were, going to talk to a lawyer that's, that's listening to this podcast and they realize they need to start building a social media presence. And as you pointed out, uh, there's no time like the, the present. If this is something you punted on for, for years, you've got to do this now. And it might actually be a, a matter of survival to start building your online presence, your social media presence. Where, where do you start? What, if you were to pick one or two platforms or one or two places that somebody would start investing their time, uh, where do you think sure. the highest yield investment is? 
what the question I would ask, and I will answer that question is, what do you enjoy doing? What are your hobbies, yep. interests, and passions? Okay, that's my first question to whoever's listening. Mm-hmm. And then premised upon your answer, let's just say it's snow skiing, yep. since we're, we're talking about that. Um, what groups, what Facebook groups uh, are there out there where you have friends or that you can search and find that involve people who enjoy snow skiing? Maybe it's traveling, maybe it's snow skiing resorts, maybe it's different snow skiing techniques, maybe it's X Games tricks, whatever you enjoy doing within snow skiing, find a group on Facebook, search Instagram, which is huge right now for different snow skiing instructors in resorts and clubs find platforms that are already Mm -hmm. uh, engaged in your hobbies your interests and passions and then get involved with those platforms and listen now this is super hard for me because i love to talk and i'm trying and just jack just put your hand up if you want me to stop but (laughs) what you need to do as a lawyer is you need to connect on these platforms and then you need to listen and Mm -hmm. watch and absorb and get a feel for what's going on in the platforms and eventually start commenting and eventually start engaging. Don't direct people back to your law firm website, but start participating as a snow skier. And what will happen is eventually you'll be known as the really nice guy or gal that's interested in snow skiing that also happens to be a lawyer. And so when people have questions in these groups, guess who they're going to reach out to, guess who they're going to tag. Now that's, that's a passive, indirect, most effective yep. way to build these relationships, but that's the way it works on social media. Um, for those of you that are in a hurry and you want to just try to build things out a little bit more quickly, unfortunately, I'm not a big fan of that, uh, but I will tell you there are some experts out there who do support targeted Facebook ads, targeted ads on Instagram, so, you know, two big platforms right yeah. there. That and, are and I think you point right out an important difference there. There's the organic, what you might call inbound marketing kind of approach where you're building content that, that draws people in. There's what you're talking about, which is a flavor of inbound marketing, but it's almost the, a relationship-based version where you're building true, authentic, real-world relationships, just as you would at the Chamber of Commerce meeting, yep. but it's happening in a virtual space. And I think you, you mentioned Facebook groups, the the number of Facebook groups and the specificity that there are to Facebook groups is, is unreal. I remember one of the conversations I, I had uh, with uh, a, f- a few folks that were attending CleoCon last year, uh, they were all talking about Peloton bikes. And I asked like, do you guys just happen to be into Peloton bikes? And they said, no, no, we, we, we had pre-planned meeting up at CleoCon. We're all part of the uh, Women Peloton Lawyers Facebook group. <laughs> and I just thought, wow, that's, really yeah. specific, but this is a thriving community of female lawyers that ride Peloton bikes and it, uh, find a community to engage with because there's probably a very tight knit, close community that you're, you're not aware of. So it works Mitch, we're, well. we're uh, the, this conversation is flying by. I, I want to make it sure is. we spend a few minutes and, and we might have to pick some of this up in a part two, because we, uh, sure. I think have scratched the surface of the, uh, the, the amount of knowledge you have to share, but uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your tech stack. Uh, and, and by that, I mean, what, what constellation of products are you using to support your law firm in the cloud? And an adjacent question to that is, how do you work in a distributed fashion? To what degree did you work uh, distributed or work from home prior to the COVID-19 crisis? And maybe tell us how 
that has translated to the current environment sure. that we're, we're in and how easily you found your law firm to adapt to that new reality. Before we do this pivot, quick tip for everyone listening uh, right now, live video. Okay. Live video is huge, right? So when you ask like, what would I start to build out on? I'd also embrace live video. I would start a live video show. You guys, a weekly show premise, not around your law firm, but about around your interests, your hobbies, your passion and bring guests in and tap into their audiences. Insider tip right there. That's how yep. you immediately build out your brand on social media and people will be interested in your shows. With respect to the products and services we use, um, we are, we purposefully set ourselves up in a way starting about 10 years ago, just because I'm immersed in this culture and I, I, I just get it, right? I love technology and how this makes me more efficient. And the more efficient I am, the cost I can keep down, which then results in end of year profits improving, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, it also, looking back, hindsight's 2020, it makes you bulletproof when things like this happen. So using a product like Clio, where you've got everything in the cloud, whether I'm in court, on my phone, I'm out paddle boarding down at uh, Little, Be uh, 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 Little Beach down Dana Point, wherever I am, I have access to everything's going on and so do other members of my firm, you know, and it allows you to stay organized. So, so that's one of our components, which, you know, I'm not a brand ambassador of your company. I am with other companies. I'm just telling you, this is, I'm, I'm a paid member of Clio and I use it because it works and it helps me be more efficient. Okay, number one. Number two, using services like DocuSign. Yeah. What I've noticed, whatever it might be, and I know Clio has an integration with Hello. Hello Sign. Hello uh, Sign or something We also like integrate that. with DocuSign though. Okay, um, okay. And uh, across our two products where we're working to harmonize this actually, but we have hello sign, hello sign uh, and the Clio right. grow part of the product. And, and we have a DocuSign integration on the manage part of the product that, that came through our acquisition of Lexicata about a, a year and a half ago or so. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so those are, so that approach lawyers will oftentimes waste so much time with a client coming into the office. You have your front office, meeting the client, can I get you anything to drink, have a seat, they come back, you small talk about family, sports, whatever it might be, and then they sign that document, that settlement release, yep. and then they're gone, and an hour goes by. It's an hour of, of your valuable time. And Plus, you have, on the client side, commuting to your office and back, and so many lawyers are asking their clients that are out in the suburbs to drive downtown to their nice AAA office space and and right. taking this client-centered view there's a lot of clients that would just rather jump on a zoom call and put a e-signature on something versus all the overhead you just described and, and there's a great example of the win-win-win you can create with a client-centered approach where your client's happier you're happier you're more efficient and uh, you're more profitable at the end of the day as well because you just did something that would have burned an hour of non-billable time probably and turn that into a completely seamless online transaction. It can be a 60 second transaction online, but here's the thing, most clients aren't even aware that this option's out there. So as a lawyer, you or your team can suggest to the client, listen, rather than coming in, would you mind if we went this route? And the clients love that. If you use video to explain this to a client, and I use BombBomb, B-O-M-B, B-O-M-B, it's a service that allows me to shoot a video within an email. And oh, so yeah. the client doesn't even need to jump out and watch the video. It's within the email. They can click. And so I'll send a bomb bomb. Listen, we've got the settlement release here. Very cool. Uh, uh, Jack, would you like me to just go ahead and shoot you a link on DocuSign? You don't have 
to get off the couch, we can get it signed and we're done. 99% of the clients come back and say, that sounds great, let's do it. So it's about taking the initiative and using these tools. Uh, we also use a offsite 24 seven uh, answering service so that uh, our front office doesn't have to spend time answering phone calls. Okay, we have those professionally handled. Mm -hmm. And then everything else you can think of with the business, we've, we've, we've uh, uh, crowdsourced out. We use virtual assistants with several different companies. I don't like putting all my eggs in one basket, whether it's creating pleadings, whether it's doing legal research, whether it's uh, scheduling depositions. We use virtual assistants and always have uh, to do these things. And it's just really allowed us to be nimble, to be uh, flexible in good times and bad. And if you're a private business owner, regardless of how much success you've had, uh, you know what, things don't always go your way. And so you want to plan ahead and you want to make sure you're set up, you're in control of what happens next and not an third party economy virus. So it's just been a big wake up call for a lot of us to continue pivoting, continue embracing digital in the cloud and continuing to provide a new type of client service that maybe we weren't thinking about three months ago so that we can move forward in a world that I think has probably changed forever. Totally agree with that. And how did you find this shift to working in a distributed way? You, you have this infrastructure that you've laid out and you're obviously way ahead of the curve. Uh, Clio was only created 12 years ago. So you were very early on the adoption curve of the cloud and other tools. How, how did your firm adapt to working in a completely distributed way when the, the COVID-19 crisis really set in? So when the, when the current situation set in, we were already set up and have been for the last six, six seven or eight years, okay, with everything I just described. Yeah. And it was just a matter of, everybody stay home. Everybody yep. stay home and let's communicate using the platforms that we use. And, you know, in a way, Jack, it's probably easier for me because the courts closed down. So yep. there's no court. The mediation services closed down. So there's no mediation. Um, it's not like I need to be anywhere. So what we're doing is handling the paper side and holding clients' hands and helping them make the right decisions. I will tell you, I did take this opportunity to bring in a new department into the law firm. And maybe this will give some lawyers an idea out there. They can copy my idea, okay? And what we did is because lawyers are not able to mediate cases right now, which is where you go down in front of a retired judge and get a case settled, we set up a, a service online. It's mediation lawyer, it's, it's mediationlawyer.live where we're using Zoom yep. to mediate cases with live video. Guess what? The first friends of mine that I called and I'm not marking this on social media. The first five law firms that I called who are friends of mine and said, we're not going to court. You've got cases you need to mediate. This is a new service we're rolling out. We can do it using Zoom. Are you interested? Interested? All five are like, absolutely. We need to get these cases settled. So this is an opportunity to kind of think about how can you pivot one of your services as a lawyer online, using live video, using real time, to start this new brand development and then complement yeah. that with sharing on social media. And I think, um, I think there, there's going to be some unique innovation out there in the legal profession uh, that's gonna be fun to watch happen over the next couple of years. I completely agree. And I, I think this crisis is such an opportunity to experiment and we've got permission to experiment. And just, 
you've you've probably got the time. Your normal business has probably slowed down. There's no time like the present to try an experiment like putting your services online, experiment with fixed fees. If you had to redesign your law firm from the ground up to be internet-based and client-centered, what would that look like? And every lawyer can think about that question and I think apply some of the innovative thinking that, that you've applied to the way you've built your business over the last decade plus and accomplish a lot in the space of a few weeks. And I think that's, that's kind of the, the amount of leverage you've got with the tools out there, the cloud-based tools. You can have all of this built. Go plug Clio, Zoom, Squarespace, you know, a few of those tools together and all of a sudden you've got a virtual law firm and you're off to the races. Absolutely. Um, you don't, you don't make, need to make it more complicated than it is. Yeah, we will make mistakes, but that's okay, you guys. Mistakes are simply a foundation to keep moving forward. I've made more mistakes, Jack, than, than some of the success I've had, and I wouldn't change a thing. It makes up who we are. It's the bruises in life that keep us interesting, right? 100% agree. 100% agree. Uh, Mitch, this has been an incredible conversation, uh, and it's, the time has absolutely flown by. I wonder if, if for a parting thought, I, I'd love for you to share uh, something with our uh, audience that would be uh, a piece of advice or some, some inspiration, uh, speaking to them either as, as lawyers or, or human beings. Just a, a parting thought uh, before we wrap up. My parting thought is I am so amazed and impressed about watching humanity right now and watching people come together, whether mm-hmm. it's a neighbor next door or someone on the other side of the world connecting you know, on a live video. And I know we're going to be okay as human beings. We're going to come out of this tunnel at the other end and be bigger, better, brighter, and a better community and better world. So my parting thought would be with that in mind, keep moving forward keep understanding that this is life. This is the journey we're on. And regardless of all the above, we need to get up in the morning and work hard each and every day, as John Wooden would say, to make every day our masterpiece. So make each day your masterpiece. I love that. Mitch, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll make sure to have your various social media handles and information about your book in the show notes. Thank you. Um, And uh, again, really appreciate you spending the time with us today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jack. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us on Daily Matters today, a podcast from Clio. Rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Daily Matters is produced by Andrew Booth, Sam Rosenthal, and Derek Bolin, and hosted by yours truly, Jack Newton. Thanks also to Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal technology provider, for supporting this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Clio, please visit clio.com. 